0: Hey, greetings folks. Today on the Weekly Kingdom Outlook, we're going to talk about the judgment of God. Is it something we should be concerned about in the New Testament? Let's go. Hey folks, Apostle Lewis here with you, and I just felt like in my spirit to talk about this today because um, with all the chaos and all the um, um, mayhem that we have in the world right now, which is quite a bit, uh, Afghanistan's on fire, our nation's on the brink of a real big conflict if we're not careful, I I think we're headed to uh, a civil war this topic of judgment and of God, and sometimes in the New Testament, people go, well, God doesn't judge today. And so I thought I would broach this uh, topic and and see if we could bring some clarity to it. And um, can we see an instance in New Testament uh, theology or in New Testament scripture of God's judgment? And um, so I I don't think we understand it. I don't think that we uh, like, here's what I want to say to you. And I'm going to give you scripture on this. It's not that we should be necessarily going out there pronouncing judgment and cursing our brethren. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. But at the same time, I think we should have a healthy fear of the judgment of God. If we go, there are things we could do that could actually bring judgment. And, and, and sometimes that judgment is, and when I mean judgment, I'm talking about um, consequences from God. Not from just your actions, but actual God-type consequences. We'll talk about that. Um, God's already judged. He's already given his judgment on sin. So, as far as what is sin, God's already given that judgment. There is no getting around homosexuality, adultery, fornication, uh, th- being a thief, and um, you know stuff like that. There's there's no there's no um, uh, there's no getting around that. There are things that are sin, and that's it. But is there something that you or me can do that could actually receive the judgment of God? And 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 I want to tell you. Um, I'm of the school of yes, and things that I uh, avoid, and <laughs> um, um, you know, why do I avoid it? Well, um, well, I feel that you know there is some serious places um, where. If you cross a line with God, there's no return. So let's look at what Jesus said of, of one the one sin Jesus said that you cannot be forgiven. We're gonna look at Mark uh, chapter 3, and we'll just go there. You can also find it in um, Luke. We'll go both places. I think it's important to look at both places, and we'll just take it in some context. Uh, Mark chapter 3, and we're going to start with um uh, Verse 28, let's start there. Now, let me just sum up what happened before that. Jesus is casting out demons. They sit there and say Jesus is doing this by the power of demons and not by the Holy Spirit. And he says, look, number one, a house cannot be divided. If Satan is even divided against himself, his house won't stand. No house divided can stand. But Jesus says this in verse 28, chapter 3 of Mark. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men. And whatever blaspheme and whatever blasphemes uh, they may utter. in other words, the, the cross can literally forgive you from all sin except but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is subject to eternal condemnation. Because they said he has an unclean spirit. That scares me. I don't know about you. He's literally saying, look, I can, I can forgive you for the adultery, fornication, sexual sin, murder. I can even forgive you. But when you blaspheme, you know, you know, the Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2 says this. No one knows a man except for the spirit of man. No one knows God except for the spirit of God. In other words, like, it's like. Your spirit is the deep essence of who you are. The Holy Spirit is a deep essence of who God is. And you want to blaspheme to that level? Ugh, that scares me. So let's look at another one. Um, uh, Luke 12. Let's, let's, let's start at verse 8. Verse 8, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Now, uh, that that's a really interesting thing. So we see there is the one sin in two places where... You cannot um, be forgiven. You know, it would be very scary to me if someone was to go out there and go, you know, Lewis prophesies by the devil or Lewis heals people by the devil. Uh, that's not the Holy Spirit. It's the devil. That's That's scary. Okay. And so, you know, I watch people do this in circles and some denominations and it scares me. It really does. I'm not that guy who wants to do that. All right, let's look at another scripture. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. Here's the uh, interesting uh, encounter. Now, I want you to take note of this. This is um, Peter, Ananias, and Sapphira. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, what they were trying to do, it wasn't... You're going to see that Peter's going to tell him you didn't have to give it all, but why lie about it? Okay? And this this is like, really... Man, this is hard. You know, this is hard for a lot of people because God is so loving, and we know him as this loving God, and then, you know what happens? We think because we know this loving God that um, everyone has that same um, relationship. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart? To lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? In other words, when it was yours, you didn't have to. No, God didn't say you had to sell everything. That's not a biblical standard that He had to sell everything. And He could have just been honest. Hey, Peter, we sold this for ten dinar. You know, ten. 10- that's just today's dollars. We sold this for hundred thousand dollars, and and we're going to give seventy thousand. We're going to keep thirty. And and Peter couldn't sit there and go, Hey, Anias, you can't do that. He couldn't do that. That's not biblical. He, he What Peter would have said was, hey, Sapphira, nice. Thank you so much. That's what he should have done. You know, he wasn't given that opportunity. He says, while it remained, was it not in your own hand? Okay, and then he says, why have you could see this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Now, what I want you to notice here that Peter doesn't pronounce this over him. This is a a direct act of God. This is not an act of Peter. Peter doesn't pronounce anything over Ananias. He just confronts Ananias in his blasphemy, in his sin. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened and peter answered tell me whether you sold the land for so much and she said see they're not lying they're 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 lying about what they sold the land for to look better they're telling cuz if you read in chapter 4 everybody sold and didn't keep anything for themselves they wanted to act like that but in and again they didn't have to lie if it was they could have just said this is what we're giving you know maybe their faith wasn't up where other people were at that's okay god God wasn't about to sit there and condemn them for that. He, you know, God knows we're growing We're, you know, he wouldn't have done that. And so he says to them again, he says this, now this is the one that really, I don't know if I could have done this. He said, yes, for so much. Now you think somebody would have told this nice lady, Sapphira, hey, Peter's going to ask you some questions. Your husband lied and died, you better answer these questions correctly when you go in there. You know, no one warns her. No one. No one goes and tells Sapphira, Hey, this, this is this stunning to me? Now, of course, she has on social media and she has on text messaging, right? I mean, if this was today, they'd have film of it, picture of it, it'd be on Instagram in twenty minutes. Um, but this is pretty amazing that no one warns her, and Peter still by the Holy Spirit is confronting her. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they shall, they will carry you out. Listen to this. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear. Remember, up, you know, uh, great fear. Great fear, again, falls upon uh, all who heard these things. And it's after this that through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. I love this. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portion. None of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. and Believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they... Uh, uh brought and it where they're, uh, it says they uh brought the sick out in the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them I mean just a stunning uh a thing that's going on there but this is still like really uh, amazing event so you know is there is there another maybe chance where there is a um um uh, where there's another uh, God moment um, of judgment. And uh, does God do it? And there's another instance in the scriptures, um, and it's when Herod is speaking. This is found in Acts chapter 12, verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal peril, sat at his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, but he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Now I want you like... This is New Testament stuff, folks. This is literally New Testament it, it happening in the New Testament. And I, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, I'm not afraid to confront some of our bad belief systems. Like, God loves everybody. That's not in Scripture. He hated Esau. And now you might go, um, that you might, they might go, hey, um, but God loves everybody. or people think that God automatically loves everybody. If God loves everyone automatically, then it's it, it just like out of he can't do anything else. It's really not favor or grace. It's not by his choice. and see, God has the freedom to give his love to people or not. He has that absolute freedom. And, and there's just this philosophy that God doesn't and that's that puzzles me uh because that's not who God is okay God's not this robot that um has no choice and has no uh ability to uh you know withhold or you know to grant you know he's just a um uh, you know that kind of thing so all right so let's let's go um so we keep going here. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's see our chapter 11. Let's see if we see something else that um, of where there might have been judgment. Okay? Verse 27, therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord and an unworthy man will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, listen, because they did this, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep, that word sleep, dead, okay? Many are dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be just. You know, people sometimes say, You know, don't judge yourself. That's not actually true. In other words, if you had the wisdom to know that sin and you dealt with it, instead of acting like God doesn't care or God loves you so much, you can get away with whatever you want. If you, you really look, God has dealt with me. I got to tell you this story. I'm I'm driving up to New Jersey. And I stop to get uh, to go to restroom, and I, I go to grab a uh, soda. And I use my Apple Pay card. You know, I use my Apple Pay, my phone. Ding, 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 and I pick my item. When I pick my item, it says two items, three eighty, instead of one item, one ninety for the drink. And I walk out, and I'm thinking. Did that go on my card or did that go on the ladies who just got a drink before me? And sure enough, I looked at my, I could tell instantly on my phone. Um, and I go, "But well, I don't see the charge on mine. I go back in and I, I i literally go, I'll just walk away. And I go, you know, I'm thinking, well, you could just walk away. And I'm going, no, put my drink in the car. I went back in. I had $2. I said, here, ma'am, I, I think when I got my drink after, I think it charged it on your card, not mine. She goes, you sure? I said, I'm not sure. This is either a tip or I'm paying for the drink. And I said, I'd rather pay you for the drink and tip you than to drive down the road and not be honest and not uh, give you what's what rightfully yours. And the, the one of the guys sitting here is looking at me like smiling, like, I, I, I just can't do that. And, you know, I've had those instances with God where something might seem very uh, insignificant. And yet then God deals with me on it. And. Um, really um, um, doesn't allow me, you know, where I can watch other people get away with stuff, but he doesn't allow me. Now, you might go, well, what, are you better than him? No, I've just asked for that. I've asked for God. I want to walk with him. I want to walk with him, according to Hebrews nine, the integrity of my heart and virtue uprightness and purpose, thought and action. That's that's where I want to walk with him. And so 25 years ago, 1996, when I really met the Father, I said, I give you the authority. I give you the freedom. I give you the, the, the open access to correct me about everything in my life. And please don't stop. Now, it's my job to listen. It's my job to respond. But I I gave him, I, I just said, I want to be like you. I want to, I want to be flooded. My heart to be flooded. I want to have that integrity. And I've watched people do stuff around me that don't have that integrity. I've watched people rip me off. <laughs> I've, um, I've watched people bad mouth. I've, wa- I've seen all this. And I go, now part of your thing is you can go, God, why don't you deal with them? And you know what I do? Now watch, I'm going to be honest with you. Kathy knows this people have come against me and they're no longer around and it's not for me we pray for them but there's just a point where God see I I just believe if you're praying for relief like if you're actually praying for relief from something how does God bring about that relief and sometimes that relief might be that God actually has to deal with it um I'm. I. You know, we don't know. We can't just say, oh, no. You know, look, my, my sister-in-law was being tormented by her ex-husband. He was a he's alcoholic. He was mean. He was abusive. And they were divorced for a year, and he was still doing the same thing to her. He was stealing her stimulus checks from the government, wouldn't let her have them. And he was just being absolutely abrasive. And the next thing you hear is he's passed away. I, I don't, no one prayed that. Again, no one prayed it. But I don't have this attitude, oh, it just lucked out. I, I don't because I know this. Now, I'm not saying if he's in heaven or hell. That's not my point. My point is like, I think that sometimes God deals strongly with people. And we see it in scripture. And I don't know why we got in this thing that somehow, um that isn't for today we've gotten into it we almost like um we almost defend this thing to a fault that um listen listen to this passage this is in Thessalonica the, to the, it's the second epistle to Thessalonians verse 3 we are bound to thank God always for you now my my listen my Bible, Right here in its editor's edition says the final judgment. It's not the final judgment. Listen to what Paul says. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of everyone of you all abounds towards each other. That's a powerful statement. Okay? It says, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest um, evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed. In other words, there is tribulation. They were going through a tribulation, and he's saying the tribulation they're going through is also a promise that we're going to be in peace with God. And it's all over. But the tribulation was going on. Why? Because John said he was their brethren. Let's go to Revelation. Let's find another place. John says in Revelation 1, he says, "I." He says, verse 9, I, John, both your brother companion in the tribulation. The tribulation is going on. And kingdom and patience of so the Lord. So tribulation isn't something in our time. There are tribulations in our time. Don't no get us wrong. I mean, to think there's only one tribulation, uh, but the great tribulation we have no clue of. We haven't seen the great tribulation. What's going on in Afghanistan, where they're beheading people, still isn't what Jerusalem faced. Still isn't what Jerusalem faced. All right, let's let's go over to. Uh, chapter two and three of the book of um revelation all right let's just see let's just see some of the judgment words of jesus in this um verse four chapter two nevertheless i have this against you that you have left your first love this is the church at ephesus Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans were those. Uh, they. Some believe this might be one of the seven in Acts chapter 6, the, the deacons that they ordained, Phillips being one of them too, and Stephen being one. <clears throat> Nicholas is another one, and he goes out and starts preaching the ultimate grace of God that it doesn't matter what you do. Some people believe, some scholars believe that's who this is. And the Nicolaitans, this is what they're teaching. This is what they believe. They believe that because of the grace of God, this is what Paul's addressing in Romans, because of the grace of God, it doesn't matter what we do because it's God's grace. It doesn't matter. Folks, don't believe that. If you love someone, you walk rightly with them. If you love the Lord God with all your heart, you say no to many things because it affects your relationship with your Savior. Amen. Amen. So let's let's see what he says. I remove your lampstand from this unless you repent. Okay. So he talks about uh moving your lampstand. All right. Um <clears throat> Uh, let's see. Uh, la, 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 la. I mean, you know, verse 9 has some more. I want to get to the real ones. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, the church at um, Pergamos. Listen to this, verse 13. I know your works, of where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast my uh, hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith even in the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Now pugabus is where a uh, satanic uh, temple is at. Okay, but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. By the way, can we just stop with the sexual morality already? Can we stop it? I'm getting tired of an argument as if homosexuality is okay. Jeez, help us. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. That's the Lord. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to him some hidden manna to eat. All right, let's go a little farther. I just want you to see that, that number one, we got to walk rightly before God. Now, I, th- th- this somehow... I'm not walking that way because somehow I'm going to earn something. It's the right way to walk. It's the right way for me to conduct my life with him. And that's why I do it. I love Jesus. And I'm going to walk rightly before him because that's the right thing to do. All right. Uh, Let's go to... uh, Theatura. I don't know if I said that right. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality. Anything sacrifice idols. Do you know those women who sit there and go homosexuality is okay? That's a Jezebel spirit. And I gave her time to repent, and over sexual morality she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent to their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am He who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Look, I I I'm just trying to establish something here that we've got to stop. With this attitude that sin's okay and God doesn't deal with it. That's so wrong. So wrong. Look at look at this. Chapter eight. I just want you to read this. Verse eight. Or verse 1 When he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about half an hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels said then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth and there were noises thunderings lightnings and earthquakes Woo! Jesus come on say Jesus i mean now listen to how the 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 how the how the saints in heaven were now praying 16 verse 4 then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs and the water, and they, came, they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is, the one who was, and is to be, because you have judged these things. And for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. I think that what I want us to understand, and I want to get us a a vision for and an understanding of is that God God does judge today. That doesn't mean go out and pronounce judgment. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, a lot of our wrong doctrine leads to wrong outcomes. It leads to uh, um, uh, an attitude as if, like, we're helpless. God can't do anything until the last day. It's not really the way it is. God will deal with it. And I believe we're going to see some of that. I believe the days of um, true, ap, you know, a different level of apostolic power. Even my own life, I believe there's days of like that coming. That, that, that's going to scare some people. Um, and I get it because it's it's frightening to me, in a way. Listen to this. Listen to Paul here, Acts chapter thirteen. Verse 8, but Elamas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Paul also is called, I mean Saul also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh full of all deceit, all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to, be, to uh, lead him by the hand. Look. Number one, I want you to see something. He said the son of the devil. Not everyone is a child of God. Not everyone and you need to understand this. And, uh, you know, I one of my greatest troubles, <laughs> there's many of them. One of my greatest troubles was my navete, my, uh, my thinking that all people, you know, like, number one, let alone Christians would do right. That was really naive of me. I, I've been hurt by Christians. I've been stolen by Christians. I've rescued Christians and they've hurt me stole money from me. And then they went back in the same problem they ran. Listen to this. This is the parable of the sower of the wheat and tares explained. This is what he says. The field is this is verse 38, chapter 13 of Matthew. The field is the world The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. So the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire." There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who was ears to hear. Do you notice that the thing, the the ones who are taken are the are the sons of the devil, the tares, not the wheat. God pulls up the tares first, not the wheat. Okay. Well, I hope you got that. I really do. I, I want you to have that because you need. You really do need to understand that God's God. And I can't tell God not to judge, and I can't really tell God to judge. I can pray, but I can't tell him. God, it says to Moses, I oh, will have mercy on who I have mercy, and compassion on who I have compassion. In other words, Moses, I will determine who to have mercy on, and I will determine who I have compassion on. Now, Moses intercedes for Israel. But how many know, even though God does not judge Israel instantly, he eventually does because he might have been better. It might have been better off if he actually judged them right away. Well, he does judge them, by the way. He does judge Israel in the wilderness. He doesn't let them live. They all die in the wilderness. That was judgment. That was the judgment of God. And then forget about after that the judgment to Solomon, the judgment on David. that We've got to stop with this. Because remember, the God of the old is the God of the new. That didn't change. God didn't all of a sudden go, oh, Jesus, Jesus is resurrected. I don't want to judge anymore. No, 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 no. He didn't say that. He just withholds it. But he eventually, look, I always tell people, God is so loving. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, so loving. Don't tick them off. I'm a very loving guy. Don't tick me off. I always tell people, my beautiful bride is the nicest person you meet, but you don't want to go after one of her kids. It's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do. Worst thing you can do. Amen. Don't go after a mother, a mother's kids. Don't you know? Don't talk about a man's mama. You know, um, God does judge. He does. And uh, if we keep praying for certain situations, there's going to be judgment. Like this Afghanistan thing. Are you just praying for the safety of your saints or are you praying judgment on the enemy? Are you believing for God to come in and judge that? You know, everyone wants this like end of the age, fire, wrath. They all want to be gone for it. just telling you there is you can't have this paul tells us to behold the goodness and the severity read it romans 11 he says goodness to you who believe severity to the jews who did not believe it's 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 severity you don't god is not a one-sided coin he does have another side he does have a son. He's love. He is love. I wish you would only know him as love. But don't, you got it. But if you're going to know, like if you're going to know me, you need to know something about me. I'm a kind person. But if you come through my window at three o'clock in the morning, I'm going to protect my family. You know what I mean? that. You know what I mean? You can push me to a place where I don't want to get pushed to. I pray. I never have to go there. But I'm prepared to protect my family. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just something we have to understand. God's God God can protect me, protect you, any moment, if He has to, you know. And so I just want you to understand that, because uh, otherwise you're going to think that you're just supposed to suffer all things, and you don't know how to pray. And we could talk about that in another one. You know, the scriptures tell us to actually condemn spirits that are speaking, and how to co- condemn those voices and those uh, those those spirits. And we'll talk about that in another one. All right, I love you. I hope this helps. Hey, before I go, locals.com. Go to the Gate Church. Do that for me. Go to lewisdcn.com. Maybe you want to become a partner. That would be awesome if you could partner with us. I am starting to go out and travel. And, um, you know, before I hang out, let me just tell you. uh, I've done already a couple of videos on this. But I was just up in New Jersey, and the miracle power of God was flowing. Salvations were flowing. And it was um, such a wonderful, wonderful treat. So I love you guys. I want to let you go. It's been, boy, that's 40 minutes. If you make it through this one, God bless you. So uh, talk to you later. Share this, share the podcast, share the video, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.